the team for leading us so ably tonight and uh, I woke up this morning with a very scratchy throat and so I had to sit quietly without singing this evening so that I could save my voice and uh, which is a difficult thing to do for a guy who likes to bellow but in that last song um, I could hear the youngest Devet singing his lungs out and that was such a joy man. Sometimes it's good to be quiet and to listen and uh, to focus on the words and to hear little gems like that. Father, we want to thank you this evening that you are worthy. And Lord, we want to declare to you this evening that we are not. And that is why we need you. And we need you as much now as the day that you changed our identity, the day that you saved us. Lord, I stand before This congregation is a weary man, much in need of you. And so we pray that your name would be glorified and honored and that only the words that you would have spoken are spoken this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you're here for the first time, you're coming in at the tail end of a little three-part series on this topic of identity. And we don't often preach topically here at Central. We're known as a church that preaches systematically through Scripture, which is a great thing. Um, But this topic of identity is something that I think all of us uh, come across in our lives in different, different places, different times, different ways. We come across this issue of identity, and um, it's something that, as I worked on it, that helped me very much. And I trust that as we've gone through this, that it's, it's meant something to you and perhaps challenged your heart in terms of where you stand and what your identity is and helped you perhaps to structure or see a structure in your mind to understand where we come from, all of us, every single one of us in an identity dilemma, an identity dilemma, having the identity that comes with us from birth that is characterized by sin and lostness and hopelessness and having our lives changed and moving into the likeness of Jesus Christ, discovering our identity in Jesus. And then tonight, we're going to be looking at this topic of what, is it, what does that mean? What is it, how should that be portrayed in our lives? What is it, what, what's the effect of that new identity in Jesus Christ? And so the title for this evening is Identity Displayed. Identity Displayed. You're getting an extra three minutes identity displayed, and we've been looking at this, this uh, series of, of the Born series, um, which, I mean, don't use the guy as a role model, but from the first movie, we've seen Born fished out of the ocean, no idea of who he is. If you're just here, I'm just going to quickly recap so that you understand where we're at. No idea of his identity, and he's searching for who he is, and eventually he discovers some superficial aspects of his identity, that he's been trained as this government operative, and as he goes through the different films, we see him escaping government agent after government agent, and surviving with a ballpoint pen and a rolled up magazine, and just amazing skill set. And in all these movies, he displays more and more of his identity as he goes through the different different movies. And so you and I, if we understand this evening that we have been pulled up out of the gutter by Jesus Christ and given us 
a new identity in him, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 4, in him, in him, in him, this identity that is in Jesus, we then have discovered our ultimate identity, the identity that he wants us to have, the identity that should be the foundation for every other little superficial identity, the color of our skin, our culture, our career, our, whether we are rich or poor, any of these other superficial identities must be subservient to this primary, ultimate identity in Jesus Christ. And so just as way of introduction, why should we display this identity that we have in Jesus Christ? Dan, you can skip us over to the next slide. But it's our ultimate purpose, folks. That is the highest calling for us as human beings. It's our ultimate purpose is to have this identity in Jesus Christ. And as we change, you see, when we're in the gutter, and, and we have this hopelessness, our worldview is tainted completely by sin. We can't, you can't see your ultimate purpose. You can't see your God-ordained purpose when you're in that position. And so when you come into this new identity in Jesus Christ and we start to have a biblical worldview, we're able to see our true purpose as we live out this life with Jesus Christ in us. And don't you really want to show the world who you are? Man, I remember the days when I was a young student, man, like first year. That was a long time ago, 1998. And uh, walking into this big campus with so many different people. And I'd grown up in a pretty protected environment. And suddenly I was thrust into this place where you've got to decide, what am I going to show these people? Who am I? And man, there's a great freedom that comes when you decide, you know what, my identity and displaying my identity in Jesus Christ is worth far more than trying to fit in with those around me. It's our ultimate purpose. Another very, very good reason for us this evening, and this is just his way of introduction, is that it cost Jesus his life. My identity in Jesus Christ didn't come cheap. It didn't come cheap. And so if I've received this, this immeasurable gift from God through his son, Jesus Christ, and then I stick it in my back pocket and hide it away, and I, I, I sometimes actively try to hide it, man, what an insult that must be to the heart of God. What an insult it must be when I'm too shy to step forward and say, well, you know, I can't do that because I'm going to church on Sunday. That's me. That's my identity. And that conversation might start with a simple little line like that, that your mates start to realize, okay, this guy's, okay, he's a church oak. <laughs> Just a one-liner can, can start to help you to, to have the boldness to say, you know what, I'm... I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do that because this is who I am. It cost Jesus his life. And so you and I should proudly carry and display this identity that we have in Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, very briefly, and then we're going to jump into the scripture this evening, but it's evidence of the ultimate miracle. This identity in Jesus Christ is evidence of the ultimate miracle. And just last week I shared with you, or in the first week I shared with you about my dad who was, uh, uh, was identified with cancer. You can tell the, the word is on my brain. He was diagnosed with cancer. 
And on the day that he was diagnosed, he was sitting um, in a hospital room with my mum, and the doctor had just been in, had just broken the news that this cancer was very, very serious, and it was, what do you call it when it's... I can't hear you behind your masks. Terminal, thank you. And so they had just heard that it was terminal, and they literally had not had time to turn to each other and talk about it, because you can imagine the gravity of that moment. And in bounds, an old family friend that grew up in a home with no Jesus and had come into our home through my sister and had come with to church and had heard the gospel and had a time, at a time professed to know Jesus Christ. And she bounds in and just starts bubbling over. She's one of these really bubbly personalities. You can imagine my parents, they're like, whoa, hello, you know, and, and they haven't had a moment to speak about the gravity of what they've just heard. And as she talks through her life and all sorts of things and then says, and how are you? <laughs> and then my parents were able to share with her what they had just heard because they could do nothing else. And she fell onto the bed on top of my dad's lap and sobbed. And in the conversation that followed, when my mom asked her how she's doing, her words to my mother were, you're going to be disappointed, me, auntie, disappointed in me, Auntie Ruth. I'm an atheist. And if you consider that scenario just a little bit, my dad had just heard that he's going to be dying soon. And we had been praying for a miracle, a miracle that God would heal him of his cancer. And yet the greatest miracle that was needed had happened to him when he was 16 and he had come to know Jesus and Jesus had given him this new identity. And so this, this terminal cancer, as much as it was a hard, hard thing to go through, it mattered so much less than his identity in Jesus. That was the foundation that carried him through his dying. And yet this bounding friend coming in happy-go-lucky has turned her back on Jesus, has no identity in him. Worse than terminal cancer, folks. Worse than terminal cancer. We're going to dive into verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles open in front of you, verse 17 of chapter 4. And we'll be reading through to verse 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by the deceitful desires to, made new, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be put on, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." 
Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. I did consider this evening asking us all to start off by raising our hands, and then as we start reading this, as soon as you see something that you think needs work in your life that you haven't got perfect, just drop your hand. Because I think as you read the book of Ephesians and instructions to the church, we realize so quickly when we read these scriptures how much in need of Jesus we are every day because we need work. We need work. And God understands this. And so he says, if you're going to, if you're going to be displaying me, if you're, going to be, um, if you're going to be showing Jesus here on earth, here's a lot of instructions. And it's not an easy life. If you're sitting here this evening and you've never come to that place of a new identity in Jesus, don't do it because you think life's going to get easier. It doesn't. The Bible tells us it doesn't. The Bible tells us that when you, when you take on this new identity of Jesus Christ, you're actually going to experience, you're going to experience trials and tribulations and confrontations and you're going to be persecuted. And in this world today, just as the Ephesian Christian was facing a city that was so low and so in the gutter, it was hard to display this new Jesus that they had come to know. It was hard to display. It was hard to live out Jesus. It was hard to live out their identity as Christians. And so our first point this evening is that an identity in Jesus must be displayed and that there's no place for dual citizenship. There's no place for dual citizenship. Verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That's, you must really listen when the Bible tells you, I insist. And Paul says, I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. If you've identified with Jesus, you've got to decide not just the day that you identify with Jesus and when he rescues you, but every single day thereafter, you have to decide that today I'm going to live under the citizenship of heaven and I'm not going to put my foot back into the chamors of the world. And the kind of world that these Ephesian Christians were facing, and Paul mentions it here. He says, darkened, separated from God, ignorant, hardened hearts, lost all sensitivity, given to sensuality and immorality and greed. And Paul's insisting that these young Christians, he says, don't stand like this. Don't, put, don't, don't, put, don't keep one foot 
in the world, the identity of the Ephesian, of, of Ephesus as a city and the world. Don't identify with that. Make sure that you keep both feet on the rock of Jesus Christ. I brought these with to me tonight to illustrate the point. I've got two passports. I'm a dual citizen. That means nothing really. I only have this because my mum's Irish. And so many people have said to me, you're so lucky, you can skip the country. <laughs> I have no intention to ever do so. The only benefit of this is that you don't have to pay an expensive visa when, if you have to go to Europe. But the reality is that you can take this and you can use it when you need it. I can take this this Irish citizenship, and I've got nothing to do with Ireland. There's no Irish bone in me. People say it's a, it is a beautiful country, but man, it's miserable. There's about three hours of sunshine a year in Ireland. <laughs> and when you're born and bred here, that is a big deal. And so this is me. But when I get to the border in Europe, I go and show this very proudly and hope they don't ask any questions because very quickly they realize from my accent that there's, this guy's not Irish. But they still say, welcome. You know, And so we can take this dual citizenship and we can use it when it suits us. And what Paul's saying to the Ephesians is don't do that. Don't, don't hold on to a dual citizenship. Don't, don't cling on to the sinful self, the sinful old identity of the world, of the city of Ephesus. Don't hold on to it. Let go of it. Because here your foot is on the rock of Jesus and here your foot is on a slimy mess. And this afternoon, we were at Ferry Glen Nature Reserve. We went for a walk, and the kids were playing in a little stream there, hopping across the rocks, and I was just waiting for, for the moment where there was just going to be this, like, yell and a, a wet kid. But if you stand with one foot in your identity in Jesus and you keep dabbling with this foot on the sliminess of the world, eventually... You're going to start putting more and more weight on this foot, and then, and then you're going to slip and fall. So I challenge you, church, spiritually speaking, don't carry two passports. There's no place for dual citizenship. And secondly, our identity in Jesus must be displayed and must be visible to all. It must be visible to all. Last night, the All Blacks played Wales. I'm a big rugby fan. I didn't watch it. But afterwards, I heard about a Welsh comedian, a guy called Daniel Jarvis. I don't know if any of you heard of this. But he snuck onto the field just as the, at the start of the anthems. And he had a full All Black kit on with his name on the back. And he had the, the wrapping on his arm. Oh, he'd, he'd really done it well to look like an all black. He had a, a mask on to help identify, I mean, hide his identity a little bit. And he goes down the, the stands and climbs over and, on, and he jogs across. And there's been fireworks and stuff. And you know, in Europe, it's always miserable and overcast and misty. So off he goes between the mist. And next thing, he's standing in the line with the rest of the all blacks pretending to be one of them. And there you can see, that, that's the moment he was found out on the field. Some, one of the officials found him and the security came and hauled him off. Had the game started, his little millimeters thick identity as an all-black rugby player, it only started outside his jersey and finished on his skin. Because I can guarantee you that guy is nowhere near all-black quality. 
if the game started very, very quickly, we would be able to see that that little skin of an identity meant nothing. His real identity would come out as he fumbles the ball or is tackled and doesn't get up for another six weeks. So he took on this little identity, skin deep, but it meant nothing. And Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, following on from verse 19, that, however, he's just described the people that he says don't live like this. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we have to put on this new identity of Jesus Christ and slowly but surely he's putting the all black, that's a terrible example, but he's putting, he's putting the real rugby player in us. He's putting the real Christian in us, the sanctification process. And so he says, take this garment of righteousness that you get because of my righteousness, put it on and I will slowly but surely work on you to make you worthy of this garment of righteousness. But don't keep going back and putting on the ugly tattered, tainted, worn, filthy, disgusting, shameful garment of sin. And so God expects us to have the right garment on, not to go back to an old garment. And sometimes you might sit here and think, I'm not worthy. We just sang that. What a beautiful song to sing this evening. We're not worthy, but it's because of him that we can wear that identity. And students, I encourage you and I challenge you to step forward and to say, this is who I am. And in your heart, you know you're not worthy, but you know that Jesus makes you worthy. It's his worship that allows us to assume that identity to assume that position of adoption into his family, that identity of being a child of God. How awesome, how awesome. Our identity must be visible to all. Thirdly, our identity in Jesus must also be displayed through the unity of the church. Our identity in Jesus, and maybe you weren't expecting this point, but the, the, the passage leads us to this. Verse 25, therefore... Each of you must put off falsehoods and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. It's interesting that he says, if you're a thief, stop thieving and start working. He doesn't say if you're a thief, just go to jail and rot. He says, if you're a thief, just stop being a thief and work. And then it's interesting as well. He doesn't say work so that you can eat and live merrily. He says work so that you may share with those in need. There's the purpose. There's the purpose. There's a little challenge for you. I know what it's like to be a student and to be living on the fumes of an income. I understand what that's like. 
And perhaps you're there. Perhaps you're there. You don't even know how you're going to pay the next installment on whatever or pay for your textbooks for next year. Those Those are real deal issues. But I want to challenge you. If you are committed, become committed, and this is a process of sanctification in your heart, if you become committed to giving to God a portion of what you have, even if what you have feels like negative, if you remain committed to that, God will slowly but surely birth and grow this seed in your heart of generosity that becomes an absolutely beautiful thing in the heart of a Christian. There is nothing worse than coming across somebody who is selfish and holding on to everything. God's against that. He doesn't want it. And so I challenge you, if you're in that position tonight, make that commitment in your heart and before God tonight that you will give, even if it starts small, and commit your heart and your mind to say, Lord, as you provide, I will keep giving more and more into ministry. I will give into your local church because that's where so much work is happening in the local community. I will give to missionaries. I will give to once-off ministries. Whatever it may, you convict my heart and I will give from what you give me. That was not in my notes, but it's there now. I've lost my place completely. The common denominator that brings all of us, have a look around just briefly. Have a look around. It's like people who can go and run 10Ks now without skipping a beat. And there's people here that if they do that, we might be burying them next Sunday. There is as wide a variety amongst us here that you can get. All different walks of life, different languages, different cultural backgrounds, different countries. There's Isaac sitting here, born on the other side of the world. And the beauty is that God brings us together, not because we have some mission here in Pretoria, some kind of amazing purpose that we've kind of rustled up emotion for, but Jesus is the common denominator. When you have this identity in Jesus, he becomes the common denominator that brings different people together. And the beauty of that is that if we focus with this, our foot in this slippery, slimy world, then the differences between us become so big and, and too difficult to get over. And that's why the world is struggling. That's why there's so much, so much strife in the world. That's why people can't get along is because in a sinful environment where your identity is based on your sin, you'll never come together as people. And that is the beauty of the local church is God brings us together, not on the slippery sliminess of our sinful identity, but brings us together on the basis of our identity in Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you this evening, if you have a tendency to lean over this way too much and emphasize, but he doesn't think that and she doesn't think that and I'm so different, you're starting to talk about things that are based on peripheral identity issues. And I don't want to downplay peripheral identity. If you're planning to become a chemical engineer and you want to be the best chemical engineer in Pretoria, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with pursuing excellence and doing what the best you can do for God. 
But you must always remember that all of those identities are peripheral identities, subservient to your identity in Jesus Christ. The last point this evening is that to display our identity in Jesus, we need him every day. We need him every day. Because this is not a once-off thing. You know, if you become a springbok, you'll always be a springbok. And you have a look at the old springboks. They're fat, unhealthy chaps. Many of them are in wheelchairs. Some of them are dead because like the old springboks took lots of steroids and nonsense back in the day. But you have a look at them and their physique is nothing of a springbok, but they've still got this jersey hung up in their home and they've still got their cap that they got when they were capped as a springbok. You and I need work in our new identity. We get to put on this, these, these clothes of righteousness that we get in our identity in Jesus Christ. But if you decide not to work on that on a daily basis, you will slowly but surely drift away from your identity in Jesus because we have the sin that so easily entangles, that so easily pulls us away. This side of heaven, we're stuck with it, folks. So don't kid yourself that, that you can just go along in neutral as a Christian or be cruising along in second gear. It doesn't work like that. God says you're a work in progress. That's that beautiful word sanctification. And he wants to work with you. But if you keep turning your back and keeping busy, even in this identity of Jesus Christ and everything else in my diary is more important, and I'm speaking to myself here, folks, everything else is so important and so I, I spend so little time with him, he's not getting the opportunity to work in your heart and to change you and mold you and make you. Knock off the rough edges. Put off, helping us to put off. The scripture speaks about putting off and putting on what is right. You and I need to lean on Jesus every day. I uh, was singing to myself on the way in on the N4 this evening. I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 2, and I want to close with this passage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We had an old Scottish friend growing up, he's he now in glory, but he used to love speaking about this passage, fixing your eyes. And he would say to us as youngsters, we were teenagers when he used to come and visit, he'd say, guys, super glue your eyes on Jesus. And he would speak with Jesus. <laughs> I can still hear him today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the only one who's gonna take us through this life without leaving us as a mess or a wreck before we end this life. And if you want to finish strong, if you want to finish like my dad finished, he finished strong. 
His body was just wasted away, but he finished strong for Jesus. And I know it's not because of Hans von Storenbrook that he finished strong. It's because he fixed his eyes on Jesus and it was Jesus carrying him through. And so folks, perhaps tonight you feel that the display of your identity is skew. Perhaps you feel that you've been for a long time carrying two spiritual passports, dual citizenship, and you're struggling to let go of this old self. Perhaps you've never come to this place. I don't know where you are. Perhaps you've never come to this place of a new identity in Jesus, and I, I implore you tonight to speak with somebody. Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody that you can pray with? Do you, would you like to speak with somebody this evening? Don't go home without doing that. And if you're in a place where your life seems to be moving on quite smoothly without too many bumps in the road, I implore you to keep fixing your eyes on Jesus because there's going to be bumps. Charles always speaks about the curves in the road, the curves in the road that are not expected. They're not on any map or plan, a garment showing us that it's coming, but it is coming. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we can display to this world an an identity that comes from Jesus and that glorifies God. Father, the demands of this world is that we would take on the cool identity of the day, that we would hold up high these identities that Satan spews out, that are so messed up and so far from what you want us to be. And Lord, I just pray, I pray that you would help each one of us, wherever we find ourselves this evening. Father, help us. If there's anybody here who has not yet taken on the identity of Jesus Christ, that they would come to you with bended knee, Father, the only one who we should bend our knee to, on bended knee before you, Lord, and just ask you, to rescue them and to give them the identity that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us who have perhaps been walking with you for a long time, Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify the areas of our life that need attention, the areas of our life that need change, Lord, and that we'd keep our eyes fixed on you. Father, we pray that you would not leave us the same. In Jesus' name, amen.